Today, I sit down with Heather Driscoll, a certified coach and life alignment expert, part cheerleader, part radical accountability coach, and part wise intuitive guide. She is passionate about empowering people to discover what matters most to them and live in powerful alignment with it. You're going to really want to stick around with us as we dive into how she woke up to and honed her intuitive gifts, how she guides clients by tapping into their guides and hers, and how you can heal into your own life and awaken your own gifts coming forward. So let's dive in. Are you obsessed with the mystic? Are you looking for sisterhood? Are you ready to explore your inner magic? You've arrived, sister. Welcome home. I'm Maureen Spielman, and I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women I have met along my journey. Through amazing interviews, we go deep into the mystics and uncover the ways in which you can apply the knowledge and wisdom in your own life. We are all in this together. Sharing healing and joy in community is both my passion and my purpose. Here's today's conversation. Welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. I am with Heather Driscoll today, sister of the amazing Tracy Ellert, whom I know through my own sister, Carrie. Tracy reached out to me a year ago saying, interview my amazing intuitive sister. And some time went by as I got my stuff together in terms of having a podcast. And here we are. But as I met Heather last week for the very first time, we agreed that this is divine timing to share her gifts with the world. So welcome, Heather. It's so wonderful to have you today. Thank you. It is so, so awesome to be here. And it is divine timing. It is divine timing. Yes. Yes. And you sister telling me last year, oh, you know, did did Maureen contact you? And I was like, no, but you know what? That's okay. And about... Three weeks ago, I was doing my meditation and I heard it's time to start doing podcasts. And I was like, I started writing. I'm like, because I do my automatic writing and I heard, you know, like it's time for you. And I was like, do I start one or do I? And it was like, no, nope, you're going to be guest. You're going to be a guest. It's going to be coming. Oh so my gosh. Yes. I do a couple of podcasts now and it's starting. So it's like, it's divine timing for sure. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. You did, Yeah, last week when we met, you hadn't shared that. So that's just wonderful. You know, yes. I think that because a lot of our conversation today, we're going to, we're going to span, you know, the coaching worlds to the intuitive worlds to, you know, the threads of your life. But I think that the place to start, Heather, and I do with a lot of my guests who come in with like these really strong intuitive abilities, which we all have, I believe, and we can speak to that too. But when did you first know that you were dialed in in a way that felt unique for you? Well, I definitely came in with like a ability to see the deceased. (laughs) I was brought up in a very Christian household and it was evil to say anything like this. So basically I spent a lot of my childhood when I would be woken up out of, you know, a sound sleep with someone standing over my bed, 
I was so terrified when I was little, I didn't know what it was. So I, it wasn't a matter, I could see them more than I could hear any messages. Mm. It was not a, like I wasn't going to stay around for a message. It was just too scary. So I spent a lot of time in my childhood, you know, asking my parents to leave the hall light on. I didn't want to be in the dark. I would go into their bedroom a lot. I was very, very scared of it. And so I, I kind of like pushed it out versus, you know, with the Christianity, the church, and then not really wanting to, to see what they had to say because I was so afraid. Um, wow. Until yeah. early 20s, in which I started being woken up again in the middle of the night and, and people were standing over me in my bed. I could feel them around me and it was kind of reactivating again. And that, I would say, is really the start of me trying to have to, you know, understand what was happening with me and and kind of reconcile like am i evil is this evil <laughs> like yeah. what what is this what do i have and what do i want to do with it if i do want to do anything with it and that's mm. kind of how i got started in <laughs> yeah so fascinating you know i'm thinking about your childhood and do you think do you have any rec recollection of whether when you first began to see the people who had passed on was fear your first response or do you remember a time before that when you did trust but then kind of the the religion or the culture like you learned quickly that it was to be feared i'm wondering if you have like any sort of memory of a like discernment there this is funny and i've done a lot of past life regressions so but mm -hmm. i actually can remember my birth <laughs> and in a state of knowing like the situation might not have been like really prepared for me and knowing kind of what I was going into and being like, okay with that. And I think like, as I've done regressions and really have that memory, like I can see now the fear, yes, was, I believe, taught by the church for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But my intuitive knowing was always, I have always had this knowing that I'm safe. I'm protected. I'm guided. And no matter which situation I've been in my life, like it literally has been this energy behind me of like, no, you're protected. You're safe. Yeah. This is where you're supposed to be or whatever. So yeah, deep down inside, I, I did know that I was safe yeah. and that this wow. wasn't bad. But yeah, it's amazing the beliefs that we start to learn and create throughout our lives so like mom dad teacher preacher <laughs> yeah, and what's absolutely what's evil and what's bad and what's not and then you know getting to the point in your life where you kind of have to sift through that and say is this really what i believe like do i really actually believe this or do i not believe this and then this was just something that was taught to me because that's what my parents believed so oh, wow. i mm -hmm. say i hit that point when i was in my you know mid-30s where i was questioning everything that I had been taught and raised with. And that was an like, upside down journey of like, yes, I hear you. And you described perfectly that even I think you had said in the mid in mid 20s, when when these visions and, and not just visions, but this reality started to come back to you. And mm -hmm. that 
that the two sides that you had, because I think a lot of people can relate to that of like, wait a minute, this is, even if you had already started stepping away from what you learned about religion and around your religion and these kind of things, even if you had already begun to step away, we just can't realize how ingrained these belief systems are. So that real like sort of division, like I was thinking the word war, but that's not right. It's almost like a division or separation from truth to what you had learned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I had been, you know, taught like, you know, the power doesn't reside in myself. Like I'm, I, you know, I have to give that power over to a pastor or, uh, you know, a God that sits up in heaven that is judging me and waiting for me to swear. (laughs) And then I'm going to hell. (laughs) Like, you know, it was like, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like bubble mm-hmm. that I was in of like, I'm so just a bad person. Like I was born a sinner and it, mm-hmm. it just, it didn't started to not feel right for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I'm thinking too, because, okay, so we're embarking, like we're starting this interview and you're sharing, okay, these are these intuitive, intuitive gifts that were coming through early in my life. And I often think I've been, as Mystical Sisterhood, the podcast goes along, I realize that part of wasn't my original intention was that this through line of divinity, right? And that, you know, we work on ourselves, then we have the divine relationships to one another, but we have a very clear line to the divinity that surrounds us within a universal energy and how we think of this. But I I just want to start there because that's that's sort of something I'm seeing occurring in real time. And that's just such a cool thing about anytime we create something it, it 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 can start to breathe and have a life of its own and we don't even know what's occurring with it but if we're open and we trust but that's that's an aside i was going to go yeah. back to because you've already named like almost like okay these decades of your life in a sense like yeah. you've been you said like my 20s my 30s yeah. so like on your and it's all you're multidimensional but i'm thinking of like okay this is your spiritual experience sort of that you've been describing in a way. What about like, if we just said, I don't know how you describe it, but what about like the human experience that you kind of started out your adult life in? Is there anything that you want to share around that and what was co-occurring during this time? Yeah, the human experience was more like I was trying to hide. (laughs) I spent a lot of time hiding who I really was. And I have an extreme intense ability to feel people's emotions and take that and know exactly like what's wrong with them, where their root problem is. So I struggled in the human experience, being around people and feeling a lot of incongruency and like what they're saying and then what they're actually feeling. And that was very confusing for me. So I I was like, they're lying. They're not... (laughs) They're not being real, you know, like Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in my humanness in that, you know, aspect of where I was. And also to, you know, this 20 years ago, being able to have a conversation like this 20 years ago was not accepted. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, even when I met my husband, it was like he knew that I would like kick him off the side of the bed because I would wake up because someone was standing over me and he would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, there's somebody there. But that was like the extent it wasn't like literally like I can really have a conversation with people that have passed. And, you know, so it wasn't really widely talked about. And it felt like there was a big part of me, like I always had this deep longing to work with people and help people. 
and I had that my whole existence, even when I was little, like I would have teachers confide in me. Mm. And, and I was like, <laughs> why is like this 50 year old teacher confiding in this fourth grader? Like, mm-hmm. what is the deal? But I attracted people like that my whole life, even in the grocery store line. I'll be like, by the time I get through the checkout, the person behind me has told me their whole life. Yeah. And it's just that that ability to like hold the space for people oh. and feel you know, be able to people to be able to come in and feel that that energy that they're that they're heard. And that didn't start with me in my human existence until, you know, my my mid 30s, where I was like, okay, something's going on here. And I really need to look at that and start digging deeper into my spiritual beliefs and into what I actually believe in when I you know, what is it that I want to do? How do I want to help people? And what does that look like for me? So yeah, that, yeah, that's been a journey. <laughs> well, it's, it's a beautiful share. I just taking a pause here to just digest the, the telling of that journey for you and how beautiful I've never heard it described that way, but I'm thinking of people in my life who mm-hmm. I know are incredibly empathic and tune into emotions as well. And I have seen it in one of my children where he will like his uh, BS kind of uh, a probe or the way he can pick yeah. up on someone yeah. telling a non-truth is it's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I really, yeah. Yes. And I think that uh, he just did it to me a, a couple of weeks ago and, and he asked me a question and I said, I, I paused and thought like, got to come out with the truth here. And I said the truth and he said, that's what I thought. And I said, if I would have lied, would you have known? And he said, yes. But I love that, that you share that. And also sharing that for the listener who has had that experience. Or even when you say that to me, I think, gosh, you know, how much of that do I also experience? And I keep myself like in a corner, like, no, 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 you're not. Yeah, sure. You're empathic, but you know what I mean? We don't understand or allow ourselves to kind of question like ourselves of, oh gosh, I can, I can really relate to that too. And maybe, maybe the reason I experience things the way I do is because I'm hyper empathic or just so tuned in or so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of that too, for a lot of people is, you know, when we do feel that like we we've been trained not to listen to our bodies and our bodies are our vehicle in this life. You know, there, there are vehicles and in that they are giving us signals all the time about, it's like, you know, when your oil light comes on in your car, you have the choice to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. If you don't pay attention to it, your, your motor's going to (laughs) blow. And, and it's no different with, with the human body. And a lot of the work that I'm doing right now with my clients and, you know, teaching classes that I'm going to be teaching this spring and stuff is all about like the connection, the emotional connection with the body and Mm -hmm. how a lot of times, like you're saying, you know, maybe I have that ability, maybe I don't. Everyone has that ability to, to be able to tune in to the frequency that's going on and say, that's a truth for me, or that's not the actual truth. The, the difference is, do I want to accept what I'm getting? Do I want to mm-hmm. accept the information that's landing in my body? Because if I do accept it, whether it's a truth or not, then my life might change. 
Yes. And if Mm -hmm. my life changes, well, then what does that look like for me? And if people aren't ready or they're not comfortable to experience that change, then they will choose to ignore. Mm-hmm. So we yes. all have the ability. We all are getting information constantly. We're, we are energetic beings. That's who we are. We're energetic beings, first and foremost. And we're, we, our language is energy. We all speak energy. You know, we've all been, there isn't one person that's not going to listen to this podcast or anything else that's not going to say you haven't entered a room where two people have been fighting and they're not mm-hmm. saying a word. And what is the saying? Boy, you can cut the you can cut the tension in here with a knife. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's energy. People are emitting energy, and you're bumping yes. into other people's energy all day long. Yeah and, yeah, and we are choosing to either read the energy and then make a choice about that energy, or we're choosing to get the information and push it aside and deny it. Yeah, and that's yeah. the only difference. So well, we, we all have that ability. Okay, so let's talk about owning the energy we show up with, because I had two instances in the last month, like six weeks, two months, where I was called out on my energy by someone in my family saying, Mom, what you just said slash did was passive aggressive. And I got mm-hmm. triggered real fast. And then I was able to, like, I walked away like I did when I was a kid, but I came back. But I was still hands on my hips, like, gosh, dang it, that wasn't passive aggressive. So <laughs> I told I told my therapist slash coach, and she said, yeah. were you holding a mixed energy, Maureen? And I was like, and I looked at myself, Heather, and I hadn't seen it, but I... I thought like, oh, I was being so cheery saying like, oh, come do this with me. But my daughter picked up on the energy. She called Mm -hmm. me out on it. I didn't like it, but I was able to look at it. And then I realized when this other person, I was vulnerable enough to turn around and share it with somebody. And they said, you were holding mixed energy. And I was because there was, it was like kind of directed towards my partner And there were years and years and years of what I perceived as or or like experienced as hurts underneath it. And if I can just say we have a and it was around like this, we we have a Jewish and uh, Catholic backgrounds in our family. So we, we were both carrying the energy, I think. But anyway, how can we own our energy or I think it's a great a great conversation about like if you pick up on mixed energy you're probably accurate. So let's yeah. also own our own mixed energy. Yeah, I think what what <laughs> is a hard thing, and like a lot of my clients that I work with, they don't like to hear this, but we are mirrors. We live in what's called the law of mirroring, which people know as the law of attraction. But what ends up happening a lot of times with that, like what you're bringing to the table, the energy, I mean, there are aspects of the self that we have denied and disowned. You know, they're little protector parts from whatever traumas we've dealt with as a child and those protector parts start to run the show. And a lot of times people are very unconscious of the fact that a protector part is actually running the show when they're triggered with something. It's the reason why like you could be with a boss and all of a sudden the boss is acting like a four-year-old child and you're like, what just happened? That's because whatever was said or whatever energy is being brought triggered 
him back to the age of four when a very specific situation happened that was very similar. And a lot of people are not conscious of these triggers and not conscious of the parts of themselves that they've, you know, suppressed and denied yeah. and disowned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the one reason why people, you know, you can meet someone and they'll, they'll you're, you can be like, oh my gosh, they're so angry. Like they don't even need to yell or anything, but they, they just are yeah. angry. And the person can be like, I'm not angry. What are you talking about? I'm not angry at all. And, right. but there's energy, they're bringing in energy to it. And guess what? They're probably showing up with a lot of people that are angry around them. Mm -hmm. And they're probably like, no, it's you that's angry. It's not me that's angry. And, and this is what, this is how relationships get in trouble is because there is an inability to look at the self and look at, and it's one of the things, it's the hardest thing to do. And it's a practice that I have. And it, when I say practice, it's literally a practice that when I get irritated with something or I'm upset with someone or things aren't going my way and I start to feel like, you know, my partner's not doing what I want or my children aren't doing what I want or something's not happening the right way and it starts to become consistent, I'm like, where really am I emotionally? What's What, what am I bringing to the table? Yeah. What's my energy? What am mm -hmm. I looking at here? And all of the time, I'm not even going to say 90% of the time, all of the time it's within me and I'm yes. projecting it out. Yep. And, and honestly, that's the only thing that we are responsible for is ourselves. Yes. We yes. think that we're responsible for everybody else, but we're not. <laughs> mm, I know. And that's, that brings up to me sort of, I don't know if you call it a victim consciousness. I've, I've, I know some people can be triggered by that because you know, there are circumstances where people really were a victim to things, but just the idea, like, how do you, how do you explain that? I think people that, that have a victim consciousness, this is, this is the problem is that they were victims, you know, mm -hmm. they were victimized at one point in their life. They were victimized. They were a victim because that consciousness exists from somewhere. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is that there's all these emotions that start to come up with that. And when there's an inability to process the emotion and look at the emotion and heal from the original wound, and we deny and suppress and disown those parts yep. of the self, mm -hmm. then, then we don't actually process and deal with what we have to deal with. And so when we don't do that, we tend to stay in the victim consciousness. And so in essence, that victim consciousness is born from being victimized, but it's an inability to process through the victimization and work through the wound to get to the other side and yeah. say, yeah, you know what? I was a victim at one point, but I actually have power within myself and I am the one in control of my universe, my reality. No one else is in charge of yeah. And yeah, that, that's where the, you know, that the problem lies in the victim consciousness. Yes. And I think that, you know, a lot of term terminology and uh, like even the language we're using today, it's it's populating more and more the channels we're looking at. So I think it's always important to bring in that as consciousness rises, that we're also, it feels like entering a new space of Let's be able to say these things and share these things 
holding ourselves, even as listener, with such self-compassion and non-judgment as we hear them. Because if we're open to learning, there's going to be the parts that are so vulnerable in us that are just like, I don't like what they're saying. You know, I can't relate to that. Or maybe I, I do see myself in it. But like, I know in my process that just coming over and over and over again with as much self-compassion and understanding and sort of hand to my heart as I can allows mm -hmm. me to transform what is existing, what was existing inside to releasing emotions. And yeah. So do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think that what ends up happening is it's hard for, you know, when, especially with a big trauma, you know, like any type of like, abuse or anything like that, where it's like, you know, you were victimized for a good portion of your life. And then you deny and disown so much of yourself, that little child that you have to create a protector part for safety, that you operate in that as an mm -hmm. adult. And I feel like, you know, self-compassion at that point, when people are in that without the awareness of what's going on, inner child work is one of the things, mm -hmm. one of the tools that needs to be done because if you can't have compassion for, and this is like the problem on the planet now, I mean, if you can't have compassion for the, for yourself and for that little child and make peace with what mm -hmm. happened mm -hmm. and find that unconditional love within yourself and, yeah. and by processing what happened and processing the emotions then, then it's so hard to like the mirroring, the law of mirroring. It's yes. so hard to externally look out and, and see the little child within another human. And, mm -hmm. and this is what the problem is, is like when you come from the place of the observer, which is what we're talking about, to be able to have that compassion and look at another human and be like, ah, oh, oh, they must have been so, so victimized that what, you know, hurting people hurt people. This is, this is why they're behaving this way so that you can come from a place of real deep understanding. You have to do that to yourself first. Yes. Because yes. you're not working with yourself in that capacity and, and understanding the self first. It is pretty much impossible to have that kind of compassion and empathy, empathy for another human. And, and mm -hmm. this is why it's so important that the work starts with the self. Like if we yes. want to change the world and we want to change what's happening, it literally starts with the self. And that yes. is like, okay, where am I at in my life right now? What don't I like about it? I love and, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when, what if what I don't like about it, am I willing to explore how I might have got yeah. here? What are the beliefs that I've had in my head for so long that I've believed mm -hmm. that got me to the point where I am now. And if I could do that, if I could create like illness, if I could create a life that I don't like, that I can't believe that I'm living in, well, then I probably can create a life that I absolutely love. And I probably yeah. can create health. Yes. Yes. You know? So it's yeah. literally like starting to look at the self and what are my beliefs and what, you know, where did they form? How did they start? How do I get deeper into who I really am? Yeah. You know, I love the inner child work too. Maybe for a couple 
one or two takeaways, because I know in my coaching, when I do inner child work, it'll be bringing someone into the experience that they had as a child. And it's so interesting how quickly someone can drop down into that heart space and describe what she was wearing or he was wearing yeah. and what were they were feeling and meeting them with such compassion and what did they want to hear? And, and it, it becomes an experience. There's also, I think of like putting that picture of your younger self on your phone, your screensaver, or a picture of her, let's say next to your computer where you can give that re-experience and that love. But what, what are, what kind of practices do you like to share with your clients? Well, the inner child work that I do is really kind of deep. And when I do work with them, we try to re-experience the trauma that they went through mm -hmm. in the way that they would have wanted to see it work out and give them a space where they have safety that mm -hmm. they didn't have when they yeah. were a child. And we basically re-envision what they would have wanted you know, and, and take them to a space where they are safe, because what happens when you experience a trauma and listen, a trauma can be anything from, you know, know. you were in a car accident when you were young to witnessing someone being killed, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it trauma happens in all different forms. And I, I believe like every one of us have experienced a trauma in our life. And we hold things when that happens, the brain takes a snapshot of it mm -hmm. and literally holds that snapshot. And you remember the smell, you remember what you were wearing, you remember exactly like the time on the wall, you remember yeah. everything, colors, details, everything. So, And that's a safety mechanism in the brain so that you never have to experience that again. And that's where the protector part, that little inner child disappears and mm -hmm. the protector part steps in to save you. Yeah. And this is what ends up happening is that that protector part is, the one that starts to run the show. And we never really realize that that protector part is running the show, even when we're an adult. Mm -hmm. And when we mm -hmm. get triggered, we go yeah. back immediately to that. And we don't feel that it's safe. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people too, like inner child work, I, I have done so much inner child work and it is not easy. Like mm -hmm. it's not easy to go back and re-experience whatever you went through because it was so painful at the time. Who wants to re-experience it? But the problem is, is, you know, because your brain takes that snapshot, you, you really feel like you're going back there. Yeah. And you're not. Well, right. And I think <laughs> you know that, I mean? yeah. And I think that question you just asked, like, who wants to go back there? And the people who end up wanting to go back there are the people who cannot stand what's occurring in their life in the current moment, like you and I talked to, I think we talked about that phrase, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yeah. when we kind of see, we all know, we all know the patterns we're stuck in, whether it's one or two or three or more. Mm -hmm. We, there, mm -hmm. I think like in our lives, there's those, for each of us, there's, there, there's our soul's journey and the things that we're here to kind of work out and work on. And my thing might not be your thing or mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the listeners, yeah. you know, area, but I, I do think there's that aspect of, something in your life is going awry and mm -hmm. push comes to shove. And, and that's what I want to offer to people too, is like, even through the myriad of guests that I've had and, you know, the coaching I do, whatever it is that there are places you can go these days that are, that are becoming very accessible. And, and maybe the language that Heather's using 
is the language you need to hear. Maybe Heather's vibration and her energy is right on wavelength with yours. And I just love that offering and the potential and possibility that comes with it for healing on the planet right now. Yeah. And I, I just going to add to that, like for the, the fear that people have to go back into that space that it, it's, it's emotions that people are terrified of. It's, mm. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. what is the biggest resistance to doing the work on the self or fixing whatever they've got going on in their life. But if people looked at these emotions as like little bubbles that are coming from the bottom of the ocean and each one of those little bubbles has information for you. That's it. It's just carrying information. And as it comes to the surface, if you take a step back and just look at what information it's carrying for you, you'll be able to start to process it a little bit better than instead of resisting the emotion, because yeah. what you resist persists, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the more yeah. you push down the emotions and don't process them, the bigger it gets. And if you don't process the emotions, it, it's got to come out at its energy, right? Emotions are right. energy in motion yeah. and it'll come out one way or another. And a lot of people end up getting physically ill mm -hmm. from, from not processing emotions. And yeah. that's what I'm seeing a lot in my coaching right now. A lot of physical ailments that are unprocessed emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's, a big, yeah. it's a big thing. It is. And just how there's so many, there's so many, I have to ask you a little question about, I know you're a parent. So I know with yeah. my path, well, interestingly, one of the most popular episodes of the last year was consciously parenting your adult children uh, with mm -hmm. my friend and colleague, Nani Langenstein. And, you know, how have you seen with your children? Because you might be like me in the knowledge and experiences and integration you've kind of put together through learning about the depth of our emotions and our deep needs and all the things like, have you seen your parenting change? And have you seen your relationship with your children also change and evolve? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I was a, a single mom. I was pregnant at 17 with my, my first child. And I, I mean, I was a different parent first and foremost yeah. with her and then a different parent with my next two that came along. But also, you know, when I was a young parent, it was like anxiety, very anxiety driven and fight, flight or freeze. Or if they didn't do what I wanted them to do, you know, it was just like, you need to do what I tell you to do. You're, I'm your parent, you know, like I, because I said so just do it where now it's like, you know, they're actually an incredible soul here. I see them so different where I'm like, so cool. So intrigued by them and, and their past that they've chosen. And the conversations that we have now are incredible. Like I'm, I'm my husband and I were just talking because we had just gone away this past weekend. And each one of my kids called me like three to five times in one day. And my husband's yeah. like, like they call you so much. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'd rather have my kids call me five times a day than not mm -hmm. have a relationship with my children. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and it really is like, I'm real with them. I'm real with them about my emotions now. I'm real with them about how I'm feeling. They're real with me. Yeah. And it, it really is a relationship that has a lot of reciprocity. And mm -hmm. it's, the growth is exponential from me as a parent to when I started to now. Yes. And, but that again is a lot of work that I've had to do. And trust me, I've had these moments, especially with my, <laughs> my first child, where I'm like, 
I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I was yeah. not a very kind parent. You know, I'm so sorry. But have you also come to understand that the experience that she is having on the earthly plane is so specific to her because I've got some of the same, like I think for a long time, regrets is the word that comes to mind about what kind of occurred early on in my parenting. Maybe, I mean, Heather, quite honestly, during my pregnancies and how, you know, I, and so that kind of way that women can really shame ourselves and kind of just be hard on ourselves. But I think through really taking a different lens and learning more deeply about a conscious or mindful or whatever you want to call that, that style of parenting that, and doing the inner work, I'm way easier on myself, but I also understand it's my children's journeys and it's none of it's by accident. And that, that concept that they chose us to mm -hmm. learn specifically what they, and that's, that's a mind blower. <laughs> yeah. It is. Mm -hmm. Especially when you look at your own parents, you're like, really? Are you sure yeah. that I chose? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I'm super grateful. I chose my parents. Like the existence I came into like this time, I know I've lived a lot of lives before to get to the point where I'm at in this life, because, yeah. you know, I've got no complaints about my life. I, my life is, is extremely incredible on all regard with relationships in my life to, yeah. to everything that I've done. And it's, you know, it's, it's an, a pretty incredible concept to, I know a lot of people are like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. When you share that, I think it's the mirror. So you've mm -hmm. really nurtured your inner worlds and brought so many new ways of being with yourself and how beautiful that you see the reflection on the outside and like everything, you know, really being in alignment and it's truly possible. I want to go back because I think that the reason you and I like hit it off just in a hot yeah. second was because you also like to blend in, I believe, this idea that we do create our own reality through our thoughts and it's an area of our life we can be very responsible for. But do you feel, before we kind of jump into how our thoughts affect our reality, do you believe that it's the emotional healing that needs to be done first? Not necessarily, Maureen. I feel like they can be concurrent. Like, how do you feel about that? So for me, your thoughts are electric and the emotions are magnetic. Okay. okay. And they're connected. Mm -hmm. All right. So mm -hmm. you're, what happens is the brain people think is like the main brain of the human, what I believe it's the heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so what happens is that the heart is what creates the emotion that's attached to the thoughts. And so I feel that what happens is we, we think about something and that sends a thought out, you know, that thought sends a signal out down the line. I tell my clients, like, think of it like telephone poles down the road and your, your thoughts send out a signal. And as that signal goes down, there is always an emotion that's attached to that thought yeah. and emotions are magnetic. And it's the emotions that is what's drawing back to you, your reality. And yeah. that's why a lot of times when we have limiting beliefs and we have unprocessed emotions yeah. subconsciously that are sitting in there, even if you don't have an awareness, you know, you'll have like a lot of my clients, like, I don't know why I keep get, why do I keep getting the same jerk guy? Like, why does he keep showing? Like, why is it the same guy? Well, what are the beliefs that you believe about yourself and your worthiness and who you feel that you should be attracting to you, you know, and that's, that really is like that 
that mirroring, but the law of mirroring really is the law of attraction. And what's actually attracting is the emotion. Yeah. And, mm. and so it, that's why it's even more important to really be conscious of what you are feeling and mm-hmm. thinking. Is it congruent? And if it's not, I always say like, you know, your, your life, what, what you got going on in your life outside, that's what's mm. happening on the inside. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. it's not matching what you want, yeah. then that's, that's the work that needs to be done. That's yeah. what you need to look at. If you constantly mm. are attracted same guy who is not showing up for you. He's emotionally unavailable. He's, you know, whatever, whatever the problem is, then you, you want to look within and be like, okay, what are, what are the beliefs that I believe about myself? Yeah. What do you know? And so Mm -hmm. that's what I really feel like when we attract, it's the emotion that is attracting. So Mm -hmm. do you have to do the emotional work first? I would. (laughs) You're always going to have the thoughts. The Mm -hmm. thoughts are there since the moment you're born into this Mm -hmm. existence. You're learning from mom, dad, preacher, teacher, and they're putting thoughts in your head about what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. And you're going, okay, right? Like literally like by the time you're seven, you're, you've got all of your beliefs and they're not even yours. Wow. Yes. <laughs> you, get in, you get into, you know, 20s and 30s and you're it's it's becomes an unlearning. It becomes like Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. And you know, why am I why am I in this place? What have I, you know, what have I done? So yeah, I would definitely be be working on especially if you're in a point in your life that you don't like the situation that you're in. Yeah. And it's the call to go within and look at mm-hmm. yourself and heal what needs to be healed. And then mm-hmm. once you do that emotionally, you're going to have different feelings. You're going to have different emotions about where you're at. And and Beautiful. so then you can be in that space. Like, you know, it's like telling somebody to say an affirmation, like I am beautiful. Right. And, but their entire life, they've been told by their parents that they're, they're ugly. They're worth mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. It, they should have never been born. And, and they have that belief and they, all those thoughts yeah. that they've kept thinking over and over about how unworthy they are and how ugly they are and the emotions that are attracting back to them that, and then I go tell them, just go say I'm beautiful. You know, really? That's not yeah. going to work. You've got yeah. to, you've got to be able to do the inner work to actually believe that you are beautiful and that that's the work that needs to be done. Great answer. And I think that when I look back, when I had a major health diagnosis six years ago, that I don't, I think I may have had it before, but I had Louise Hayes book, You Can Heal Your Life. It's got this beautiful cover and it's got a lot of affirmations. But, and, and so when I went through it, you know, I would do the affirmations like, you know, my cells are in perfect order. I'm in perfect health, sort of things like that. But my something inside me said, this is not enough. And when Mm -hmm. I went through that journey, and that's where I became this like, really, I think, like prolific seeker. And I think a lot of people listening, and I know yourself from what you're saying, you're a prolific seeker. And it's, it's so enlightening to be that and you, and you pull in what you need at certain times. And then maybe later you discard them or like, I'm coming back to the work now, but I needed to Mm -hmm. do the emotional healing in between. So I resonate with that. I want to jump into how you have tapped into your intuitive guides and what that looks like for you and how that maybe at one time it wasn't incorporated into your coaching, but now now it is. What does that look like? 
Yeah, that was a crisis. That's <laughs> how things start for people, right? Like, we don't need to just for people's sake, like, we don't need to wait for a crisis to make right. the change. <laughs> but a lot Agreed. of people get the crisis, whether it's the health scare, whether it's the, you know, relationship scare, whatever. But I, I had in, in our business, we had had a, a big issue happen. And it was, it had scared me because it was like pivotal for what was happening was like my, was our business going to make it through this? And it, it started me on this path of like where I had gone to a place from my childhood up, like praying to a God, like, please, God, please, please let this happen. Please let this be okay. Please, like pleading from a place of pleading to like, this doesn't feel like it's working anymore for me to going on the path of, you know, Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks and Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and Hay House and downloading Hay House Radio and finding all these teachers to me actually working with some of the best teachers for my intuitive abilities, like Sonia Choquette and like really starting to work on myself and actually like, who I am, my abilities that I have, how can I contribute? And I knew I always wanted to help people. So how does that show? Like, how do I want to help people? What do I want to do? You know, and it was like coaching for me was that I know I can take people from here to where they want to be up here. And I know like because I could feel the vibrational frequency of people, because that's what ends up happening where, you know, depression is a very low frequency. I could take them from here and then open up things for them and start to give them the tools that they need on a daily basis to start to do the work, to tap into the parts that they've suppressed. And that for me was how I kind of got on this path of like, this, this is my, this is my jam and beautiful starting mm -hmm. to utilize my intuition and adding that into my coaching. And probably almost 20 years now I've been meditating on a daily basis. And that in itself took my intuition to like full blown mm -hmm. level where, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't just seeing dead people over my bed. Like they can communicate with me yeah. and, and I can get messages okay. and I can mm -hmm. pass the message, which was a whole nother thing where it's like, I do have the ability very big ability for mediumship. And, and when it's necessary, I use it with my clients, but it's not my main tool. My main mm. tool is my ability to read energy and mm -hmm. be able to use that with my clients. And that's just an added part yeah. of who I am that I can actually bring to the table, you know? And it's, that's a great kind of vantage point of how are you here to support and how are you here are you here to share your gifts and and I thank you for saying the piece about meditation because earlier when we were talking about even being aware of our triggers it really is a slowing down you know I talk mm -hmm. slower than I used to I and if you can create in I I think that I'm going to say like when meditation first came on the scene, like probably 20 years ago, let's say, right? Like when, when we started seeing Deepak Chopra or just like different thought leaders talk about meditation in a way that hadn't been introduced before. Maybe it was in the nineties even, I don't know, but 
it felt far away. It felt inaccessible. It felt something that needed to have specific parameters and you either did it or you didn't, or you were either good at it or you weren't. And it's yeah. kind of different. And we can, do, do you think like the portal into it or the entry point can be a lot easier than we think it is? Oh, it is, especially now on the planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, the planet mm -hmm. is, Earth herself is actually in a massive change, as you can see from the weather that we've got going on. Yes, there's global warming, <laughs> but there's also Mother Earth is feeling what's happening on the Earth and she is shifting herself to accommodate what's happening on the Earth. And mm -hmm. I, I absolutely believe like now people are uh, able to tune in and tap into themselves in ways that 20 years ago, it wasn't accessible. And now it's completely accessible and easy to be able to, even if you're just focusing on the breath, you know, just focusing on the breath for five minutes. I think that we're going to be seeing just a lot of more rapid changes. I had asked in the this private Facebook page I have for Mystical Sisterhood, which is there for anyone to join. It's in the show notes, but I'll just have prompts. And yesterday I asked the question is about this age of Aquarius and the expansion that people are feeling or seeing or what that means to them. And so you've been working with clients for a while. Are you seeing some changes, some more readiness or allowance a happening? Lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, where we're headed as a consciousness on the planet, you cannot take your baggage with you where we're going. Love it. And this is what I've been trying to work with, with my clients where it's like, and your baggage is your denied, suppressed, disowned part of yourself that you don't want to look at. And you're seeing that more rapidly on the planet now where a lot of people are getting sick, earlier cancer diagnosis, like all these things where it's like, what is going on? Like, I can't mm -hmm. believe so-and-so just died. I can't believe mm -hmm. it's just, it's literally like you have the option to opt out or yeah. you do the work and you continue the ride because you can't continue the ride in this age of Aquarius going where we're going as a consciousness on the yeah. planet. You can't mm -hmm. continue without doing the work. We can't be united and one mm -hmm. when we've all got so much baggage that we are unwilling to look at it as ourselves because then we'll never look at the other person as the self. So beautiful. It's so I yes, I love it. And thank you for adding your voice to that question. I had a recently gone to an appointment and ended something was well, it wasn't even bothering me. It was detected by my dentist. And they mm -hmm. said, Go go see the oral surgeon and have a biopsy. And so I did, and I thought, oh, well, nothing will come of it. And they told me I had an autoimmune condition. And I walked out of the a very mild one, and I walked out of the office like well, I don't feel it. So I'm just going to go about my life. And then this past Saturday, I felt it. I felt it. And I would say that that was probably like four to six weeks ago that I was with the oral surgeon. And I, I like threw it in the trash can. <laughs> you know, it's mild. So I don't have to do anything about it. And yet it came back to talk to me. And yeah. I, that's the way I'm viewing it is Maureen, it's calling you to rise higher. It's calling you to be very interested in what it has to say to you. And for a moment I was like, well, this, this sucks. You know, I don't like it because it was something else like a, that was calling me, me back into my body. And mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't like it, but only for a hot second. And then I said, 
what what is it here for me? And I felt like it was here for some refinement around nutritional kind of clearing and, you know, and yes, there's, there's more emotional. I was, but it took me a minute, even though I've been through health stuff, even though I know the body speaks to me, I didn't listen when it first cropped up. And usually too, like what I see with my clients and I also have the ability, like when I work with my clients, like medical issues and stuff too, like I can see blockages in the body. And like, I've, I have really come to notice that specific areas in the body that get congested or cancers or autoimmunes or things like, you know, if it's affecting your jaw, like you're up in your throat chakra here. And when you're in your throat chakra, literally it's, you know, the back of the neck, like right down the top of the shoulders, your thyroid, your throat, your jaw. And that's all about speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. And that's all about saying what needs to be said. And I see that a lot with my clients where it's like, let's listen to what the body is saying. Like look at the body and look at the part of the body that Mm -hmm. it's affecting. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people with heart conditions where it's like, is your heart closed off? Were you so wounded and so hurt as a child that you basically said like, I'll never feel like this again. I'm going to close my heart off. These are the things that you, you know, for everyone listening, when you, when you start to have physical ailments and even if it's something as stupid as stubbing your toe, it's literally (laughs) like, like wake up, you know, just even, or bumping your head. Like, you know, that I remember one point in my life, like when, as I was starting this journey, like in one day I bumped my head three times Mm -hmm. and it was like, Mm -hmm. what is the deal? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so it's like, okay, I have to wake up and pay attention what's in front of me and are are you paying attention heather yeah like yeah. Do, you, do i have your attention and mm-hmm. it, and it's literally that part when the body this is what people don't understand is the body is your indicator yeah in this life mm-hmm. it's our vehicle and it's no different than a car if you got mm-hmm. a flat tire are you gonna keep driving on the car if you do you're gonna ruin the rim and if you okay. ruin the rim you're gonna have to buy a rim and a tire and you could cause a fire <laughs> Like, what are you going to do? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's literally like, that's how important it is to pay attention to your body and how connected your body is to emotional well-being. Yes. My body's speaking to me. What do I need to look at? Oh, thank you for all of that. Uh, This gold and this goodness. It's so, um, so much information, but just heartfelt information that I know is going to just support so many. Heather, uh, where can listeners find you? And also you mentioned upcoming workshops. I don't know if they're in formation or what, but if someone can get on your email list or, you know. Yep. Yep. They're being Mm -hmm. formed. You can go to my website, which is lifealignmentexpert.com. And on my website, it has, you know, courses and you know, things that are coming up, but you can join my community. I have an online community that mm. um, I'm working with right now, actually. So this spring, I've got some some courses I'm going to be teaching along the lines of what we're just talking about with Beautiful. the emotional component and the physical illness of the body, Good. because I really, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of that. And it's so important for people to understand the connection there. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm but you can go to my website, lifealignmentexpert.com. You can put in your name and address. You can contact me through there and I'll get in touch with you right away. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me.
Oh, so fun and informative. I want to thank the listeners too. Thanks for being with us. And I hope that you're having many takeaways from today's interview and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystical Sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if it's on Apple or Spotify, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and review. And be sure to share with a friend if you're called to do so. To learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs and join the Mystical Sisterhood community, visit MaureenSpielman.com or MysticalSisterhood.com.